200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, I'm Jim Dudley. Hey, Jim. You know, last week we talked uh, about um, gangs, gang injunctions, gang enhancements, and kind of pulling back from um, really pursuing criminal activity as it is, as criminal activity. Uh, One of the other things that we've seen lately Um, In San Francisco and various other countries across America, advocates of accused offenders have called for the um, termination of what we in finger quotes will call cash bail. Um, Nobody really puts up cash anymore. Um, But uh, that notwithstanding, that that terminology notwithstanding, uh, they say that there are economic um, kind of... um, I, I, I want to say it's it's a disparity between um, people who have wealth and people who do not have wealth, who the people who have wealth and couldn't put up jail and, and have credit or whatever, um, they get to leave incarceration while they await trial, while people who cannot afford, they are on the lower end of the economic spectrum, they cannot afford to put up bail or don't have credit to do it, um, they remain incarcerated uh, whilst they await you know, their duly, you know, uh, their constitutional right to a trial, a speedy trial, to their day in court, right. Um, Now, there is merit to that argument. There's no question about it. There is an economic disparity that needs to be addressed. But to have some of the bail reform that we're beginning to see legislated as being kind of mandatory with no, um, shall we say, ability for a judge or a a DA or someone else to have the um, discretion to say, okay, yeah, I get it that you're, you're, you're from a lower economic group, but you're also a really, really bad dude who's been arrested a bunch of times in the past, and I'm not totally sure you're going to show up for trial. <laughs> you might wind up someplace else, and we're going to be looking for you for the next 30 darn years. Um and I think that the, what's been lost in a lot of this legislation is the discretion element. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, it's another lie being told to the American public, just like the, the lie from 10 years ago that said everybody that the jails were overflowing with drug suspects. And if you looked at the breakdown, you saw that wasn't true, that it was a small percentage in California, for instance, small percentage of less than a fifth. Uh, were in jail for merely drug offenses. And then you had a, a higher number on federal uh, drug cases with, with closer to 50% of those being. But, you know, we're talking about large quantities, truckloads, boatloads, mm-hmm. airplane loads, and and manufacturing, sale, import, export, and all that. And so now we're, we're being told that there's this, this awful um, uh, bail problem. A lot of progressive cities had already had OR programs or own recognizance programs that that essentially did look at a matrix that said the individual may not have money, but they have good family ties. They have a job. They have a place to live. They're 
good standing in the community. They have a, a, a record that is not lengthy. And in all likelihood, they will show up back to have their day in court. That's, a, that's an essential threat matrix that you would do on any scenario. You know, you're identifying a building you're going to go into. So What's the threat matrix? Do they have weapons? Do they have records? Right. Let's keep that. So in this particular case, as I read, um, the individual was a twice over bank robber. The, the, the two cases were pending. Oh, you're talking about the New York one. The New York yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bank robber. Uh, passed a note saying, I have a gun. Whether or not he had one, he didn't have one when he was arrested, as I as I recall. But uh, was the judge who said, hey, wait a minute, this guy, he's, he's uh, he had no home, he was homeless, he's a chronic offender, and here he is uh, robbing banks, and we're going to release him uh, with his promise, just his promise to appear. None of those other criteria, none of those other boxes checked. And I I have to agree with the judge. What is, what is there to say this individual is coming back? So now, or, or or not just coming back, but doing something in the interim. Oh, right. That potentially is worse. Right. Like I mean, you just you let someone out on the street that has already is accused. I'll put it this way: is accused of a violent crime, has threatened someone with a weapon, and has a history of doing so in the past. Right. What's to say that they're not going to do it tomorrow? Right. Because you're, if you release them, they're going to go back to being homeless, right? With no means of support, um, unless unless they went to a dedicated shelter where you could keep tabs on them. Who knows where they're they're going to be? But again, like like I compare it to the drug uh, lie. There's this there's this uh, bail argument that says only rich people get bail. That's not true. Um, people can get bail if they have a support system, and if they don't. And if they qualify with the OR, then they get out. Um, a number of people do end up uh, staying in jail. If it's beyond their minimum uh, requirements where they can push for a hearing, mm-hmm. that's because it's a defense decision. It's not the prosecution that keeps people in jail for months and years. That is a flawed defensive strategy where they're hoping that evidence gets lost, people forget, people die cops retire and things like that so when you hear about the case die on the vine basically exactly so when you hear about someone at rikers island who's been there for three years and hasn't had their day in court it's usually because of the delays by the defense not the prosecution Mm -hmm. um you know we that uh, interestingly um, you sent me that article about that uh, judge in new york i wonder you know, and this is, I don't have the answer to this. And oftentimes I'll ask you a question, I already have the answer. And I know what your answer is going to be, but this time I don't. What do you think is going to happen with judges like that? What are the repercussions? I don't know if he's an elected or an appointed judge. I don't know what the structure is in that particular jurisdiction. But, you know, you have this um, kind of groundswell of support for things like this this bail reform. And you have a judge who says, "Yeah, I'm putting my I'm putting my foot down. I'm 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 saying no to this, right. and I'm going to practice what I believe to be what is justice for the community." Right. Um, you know whether or not that judge is appointed or elected, or judges who are across the country dealing with bail reform questions, and they're saying, "Look, I'm I'm looking at this not from the standpoint of what the law says. I'm looking at the standpoint of 
what is good for society? What's good for the community? I'm here to I'm I'm here to protect people from people like this. So I'm going to say no to this particular individual, and you know, without any kind of racial or economic kind of bias, but saying, look, based on the record, I'm going to say this, but the ramifications for that judge or jur you know judges judges like them, yeah, that. That could be career changing, right? Sure. No. Well, you've heard me several times talk about let's then let's not bring defendants into court. Let's bring right. up a no, barcode. Yeah, we talked about that. Yes. Let's bring up a barcode. You don't know their race, gender, anything else, but you do know their chronic crime history. And then you'll hear some people say, well, of course, the officers who arrest them know all those other things. But let's just it's a it's a round around argument. So. Let's barcode it, leave it up to a judge. I think what's going to happen, one of two things will happen. Number one, judges, judges will get really frustrated by these kinds of things. And a judge like this who stands up against it will either be overruled, reassigned, or they'll get together with other judges. Or held like say, a hero. <laughs> yeah, and get together with other judges and say, this shall not stand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if that's the case, then maybe things will change. I think... The other thing will happen, and that is that more judges will be appointed to go along with this. I think the judges that are feeling frustrated now, well, welcome to our world. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's what cops have been going through for the last decade and a half, and that is they're told to stand down. They're told not to arrest people in situations. They're told not to enforce laws. They're told uh, that we live in sanctuary cities where we can't communicate with other law enforcement agencies, even though we may have someone in custody with a warrant signed by a judge, a mm -hmm. judge's order. And yet we're told that uh, there will be sanctions if they cooperate with federal authorities. So judges, this is what cops have been dealing with for a while now. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's it's. What, you know, the thing that uh, kind of wrapping this up, the thing that comes to my mind is that the victim of a crime, let's say it is a underage person, the victim of a sexual assault. Let's say it's a bank teller uh, at, a, at a local bank or let's say it's uh, the person who is the proprietor of the mom and pop shop, you know, the, the stop and rob kind of place. Yeah. That person actually still has their own form of prison following their being violated by an offender they are in fear they are they have questions about what the justice system is going to be for them individually and we're talking about real people we're not talking about numbers or statistics or barcodes or we're talking about people who have been harmed by a criminal or an accused criminal let's put i'll back up and i'll say an accused criminal okay um and they when they see that someone is free out on the street days maybe hours after committing an offense against them that puts them that further victimizes that individual i think is do you agree oh totally totally i mean in in this whole criminal justice reform and retooling of the criminal justice oftentimes the victims are left in the dust to mm -hmm. fend for themselves and uh, no recourse for them uh no retribution uh, they may live in an area, and we talked about gangs a minute ago, uh, they may live within an area where they see the perpetrator every day. Yeah. And the intimidation continues. It's real, terrorism. Real or perceived. Yeah. 
And so, uh, you know, I keep saying, and uh, I mean, we've been doing this for a while now, I keep saying that the pendulum will start to swing the other way. And I'm hoping it starts this year. Yeah, I am too. Uh, welcome to 2020, everyone listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. Thank you again for listening. Send us an email. What's going on in your jurisdiction with regards to all of this kind of bail reform stuff, um, all the different changes that are happening uh, legislatively regarding um, taking felonies and making them into misdemeanors and, and decri- decriminalizing basically criminal activity. The email is policingmatters at police1.com. That's policingmatters at police1.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>